This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome everyone to the latest edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Coming up on today's podcast, Lot to get to, including the return of Deshaun Watson, the NBA All-Star Game, plus who is the biggest loser in all of baseball? And speaking of losers, we got to talk about Rick Pitino for a few minutes in college basketball. Is he a loser? Is he a winner? I don't know. He's both, potentially. That's all coming up on today's edition of the Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, let's jump right into it. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot was a guest here in the bullpen last week, and we talked a lot of different things. I know that podcast has gotten a lot lot of views, a lot of listens to it. If you missed that podcast, if you didn't hear my interview with Mary Kay, go back and watch that and check out everything on my YouTube channel um, or Spotify, of course, Apple Pods as well. Make sure you subscribe and uh, subscribe to the Bet Rivers YouTube page as well. Check out everything we have to offer. So, um, but when I spoke to Mary Kay, we talked about a lot of different things, including a bounce back season for Deshaun Watson. It's all on the line for the Browns in 2024. And yes, it does feel like we've said that a few times in a row. Um, It was all on the line for Baker Mayfield in 2021. It was seemed like it was all on the line for Kevin Stefanski. The 2022 was like an on hold because Watson got suspended. And then last year, everything was on the line for Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry. It seems like they both passed with flying colors, although as of this recording, uh, neither Kevin Stefanski nor Andrew Berry have a contract extension to this point. So we'll, we'll see, although there is expectation that it will happen here at some point. But this year is the make or break year for it all, right? Deshaun Watson, when the Browns traded for him, they gave up three first Brown picks and more and signed him to the largest guaranteed contract in the history of the NFL. Uh, and with that came expectations. And to this point, Deshaun Watson clearly has not played up to those expectations. In fact, he's barely played. He has started uh, 11 games or he's p- played 12 games. He started 11 games. And to this point, uh, he has not performed all that well. He left us with a good feeling in the second half against the Ravens, but that's really about it in terms of his highlights. So this year is a make-or-break year for Deshaun Watson to some degree. Now, I'm not going to break him financially because he's owed every penny of that contract, no matter how great or terrible he plays or, or more likely somewhere in between. But it's a make or break in terms of is this going to work? Is he going to get back to being a front, uh, a top tier quarterback? And will it happen for the Browns? If 
Deshaun Watson has not been an elite quarterback since 2020. That's just a, a fact. He didn't play in 21. He played six subpar games in 22. He played a little better in 23, but again, didn't play much. The idea that he's going to be a great quarterback, and we've talked a lot about this and will continue to do so, loses its its um, steam every year that he doesn't play well. Now, Deshaun Watson, at this point, is still young enough that there's at least some reason to believe that he can get back to being a quarterback that he once was. He won't turn 29 till around the start of the season. So, in theory, he could still play at a high level for another 8, 9, 10 years. But it's got to happen this year. I, I feel like this is the last try. Because if he doesn't play well this year consistently, then by the time we get to next year, 25, now you're talking five years since he's been any good. Now we're talking about uh, a quarterback who hasn't been good since he's he's 25. I'm sorry. I think I said he's going to turn 28 in September. I don't know. I can't remember if I said 28 or 29. But he'll turn 29 in September. So next year, he'll turn 30. And so in my mind, this is it. Uh, if this trade is not to be a bust for the Browns, then Deshaun Watson has to bust out and be that superstar that we all thought he'd be when they traded for him. And having expectations lower than that is not something I'm ready to do. So this year, if Deshaun has a great year, then all is well. The Browns have a good roster, a very good roster. I would assume they will um, – that they will make even more improvements, whether it's at wide receiver on the defensive line where they need to solidify the other end opposite of Miles Garrett, get that third pass catcher that's a frontier guy. And if Deshaun Watson plays like he's capable or even close to what he was capable, what we saw in Houston, then the Browns can win a Super Bowl next year. There's no doubt about it. If, if he's somewhere in between, he's just an okay quarterback. He's what Baker Mayfield was. The reason we were excited about Deshaun Watson is because we decided, and I decided, amongst many others, including the Browns, that Baker Mayfield wasn't good enough. And as much as I've we've yelled and screamed about Baker Mayfield, I never thought Baker was a non-starter. I just thought he was mediocre. I still think he's mediocre. He was better than that last year, but I don't think he will be next year because we've never seen it consistently. I think Baker is a starting quarterback, but not good enough to win with. And if and maybe that's what Deshaun's going to become this year. And that's not good enough either. But they have a good enough team that maybe you can find a way, right? If the team is good enough and he's not a star, but he's good, well, then you're still in the mix. And we don't have to blow everything up. And then the third scenario is that Deshaun stinks or that he's hurt again and misses most of the season. And, and then it's all over. Then, if you haven't signed extensions with the coach and the GM, maybe that's blown out. You're going to trade Miles Garrett. You're going to move on from Batonio. You're going to move on from Teller. You're going to move on from Chubb. All that could happen if this next season goes wrong. All the great players on this team that you love, especially the ones that are in the late 20s or older, are going to be gone, I think, or many of them, if it doesn't work with Deshaun Watson this year. And by that point, then you're turning the page to another quarterback. So this year, and again, I'm sure I or many of us said it's this year, it's this year. 
But this year, this feels so make or break for this organization and this quarterback. Can he do it? Can he be healthy? And the healthy part, he's coming off an injury that is not common amongst quarterbacks. Now, good news today. I mentioned, started this conversation by saying that Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland.com, she was on me last week. And today, just before I went to do this podcast, I saw a report from Mary Kay at Cleveland.com saying that she's heard from a source that Deshaun Watson is ready to start through just about, not not exactly ready today, but is just about ready to start throwing and that we could see him on the field with a a fixed-up shoulder throwing in as little as two, three weeks. Again, this is according to Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland.com. So that's a, a huge positive. Apparently, uh, during the Super Bowl, not apparently, he, the, uh, Elijah Moore said it. During the Super Bowl, Elijah Moore said to uh, Mary, uh, I'm not sure if it was Mary Kay, but said to Cleveland.com that he's heard from Deshaun and Deshaun has talked with some of the receivers about everybody getting together again like they did last year in the offseason. I believe Deshaun Watson wants to win. Uh, we're going to talk later about a baseball player who doesn't care about anything, and he's a big-time loser. I don't think Deshaun Watson's a loser. I think Deshaun has everything capable within him of being a winner. I think he wants to be a winner. I want. I think he wants to shut up all the people that have ripped him and shut up all the people that think he sucks. And if that includes me, so be it. Uh, I don't think he sucks. I think he hasn't played well. I think if he's honest with himself, he would say he hasn't played well. There's no way he's going to be happy with what he's done these first two years in Cleveland. Now, obviously, injuries have played a role, and so is the suspension, but he hasn't played well enough. That doesn't mean I think he sucks or that I don't want him to succeed. It just is what it is. But he wants to shut everybody up. He wants to prove that he can still be a great quarterback because he was in Houston. There's no doubt about that. Well, he can do it. It's there. He's got to stay healthy, and he's got to get back to being that guy. Does he still have the athlete, the uh, elite athleticism? Does he still have the elite decision-making that he showed earlier in his career and hasn't been quite as good in his time in Cleveland? Where is he mentally? That's something none of us besides Deshaun Watson know. He can say whatever he wants. I think it's pretty clear he's been affected by everything that's gone on, self-inflicted or not. It has affected him. It would affect any person. So it's unreasonable to think it wouldn't affect him. But how he comes out of that now two years later, how he prepares for the season, how he gets the shoulder and his body ready for the season, how he prepares to lead and take control of his team. He talked about, uh, also in Mary Kay's article, he talked about, he was, well, she referenced an interview he did. He and his quarterback coach do a podcast every week, and he talked in that, um, in the, in the latest podcast there about, He's excited about Ken Dorsey. He talked about Ken Dorsey's play calling, which I thought was interesting there. Even though he referenced Ken Dorsey play calling in the playoffs and Ken Dorsey did not, uh, the game he was referencing a couple of years ago with the Bills was not, he didn't call the plays there. But anyway, um, the bottom line is he seems excited and he's going to have talent around him. Uh, Jimmy Haslam has been certainly willing to spend. 
I'm hoping they're they're willing to spend on another big time wide receiver this offseason. It does appear we've talked about free agency a lot already. Free agency starting in what uh, three weeks, I believe. Three weeks from today is the tampering period. Uh, and will the Browns be aggressive at wide receiver? It does appear likely that Michael Pittman and T. Higgins will get franchise tagged, but Calvin Ridley's probably going to be out there. Mike Evans, we just learned today, they didn't come to a, a contract agreement, so Mike Evans likely to be a free agent. Uh, Marquise Brown is likely to be a free agent. Those are three really good receivers. Evans is the best. Ridley and... and um, Brown probably make more sense from a style of play, but any of those three guys would massively upgrade the Browns' wide receiving core. All three would make a lot of sense for the Browns. I think it's a no-brainer that they should go down the road of of at least one of those guys. Got to talk about a few other things. Why are people so worked up about the NBA All-Star game? I guess I I used to be one of these people that would get worked up about the NBA All-Star game or the NFL Pro Bowl and all that stuff. I just don't care. Everybody is apoplectic because the final score of the NBA All-Star game was 200 to 195. I don't even know what the score was because I didn't care to watch it. This is not new news. Yes, when we were kids, if you're my age or around a little younger, a little older, whatever, or certainly any, any age older, but if you're a little younger, I'm 52. If you're mid-40s or even probably early 40s and older, then yeah, the All-Star game was great when we were kids. All the All-Star, well, Pro Bowl always sucked. But the NBA All-Star game was great. Guys wanted to win. Guys wanted to play defense. The guys now don't care. Now, you want to say it sucks? Okay, I just can't get that worked up about it. It's an exhibition game. I get it. The game is not, it's not a game. Nobody's playing any defense. But I'll tell you this, you know, there's a lot of old people and 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 for for our business for the sports media business we there's been an injection of young of young media members because podcasting and and all this independent operating stuff but people can get their own voice out there with youtube and different things has brought in some younger people that weren't getting opportunities generally especially when i was younger in my career and really until about 5 years ago you know most of the established sports talk show hosts and media people were older, right? 50s at least, if not 60s. And there's this old curmudgeon-ness about guys in their 50s and 60s and certainly 70s. It's got to be the old school way. And And I'm sometimes like that. I am. And I'm trying to be less that way. But I'll tell you this. I got a lot of young fans. In fact, yesterday, this is funny. Uh, yesterday I go into this store. Um, I went into the AT&T store because I was thinking, I I was thinking about switching phone service. Anyway, I I meet with this guy and, uh, I'm, I'm going on vacation in a few days. So everywhere I go for the next week, I'm just wearing a mask to be extra precautious. I don't want to be, uh, I I don't even know how well masks work, honestly, but I don't care. I'm going to be extra precautious. I don't know if anybody's got a cold, whatever. I don't want to be near anybody sick. So I go in and I got this right now, as you see, I got this big grubby beard and I'm wearing the mask. So it's hard to tell, you know, who I am, what I look like. Right. And I'm talking to this young man. He's probably in his mid to upper twenties and we're talking and he asked me what I do. And, and I said, Oh, you know, I do sports. And he goes, are you at, he says, can I see your face? And so I pulled my mask down 
sees my face. He goes, oh, my God, I used to listen to you all the time when I was a kid. And I'm thinking, man, am I now the age and have I been doing this long enough where there are people who are kids? And I'm like, yeah, he's probably, let's say he's 28 years old. I started working in Cleveland in 2011. So that's 13 years ago. So he was, what, 15, teenager when I started. So it made me feel old. But I, I'm trying to stay young and I'm trying to be less curmudgeon on certain things. Trust me, I, I'm still a curmudgeon. I don't deny that. But I'm trying to be less curmudgeon about certain things. And the reality is that young fans are not mad about the All-Star game. Fans that are in their 30s, young 30s, certainly in their 20s and teens, they don't care that these guys are not playing defense. They root for their stars. They love seeing these great athletes go out on the basketball court and dunk and have fun and be silly. And they don't care that it's not a real game. And you know what? It's not. It's an exhibition game. It's always been. And so people, life is different. Everybody's different. We're all different. By the way, all us old, old curmudgeon guys, we're different too. We're doing stuff on our phone just like the young people. We pretend we're above it, but we're not. And so... Why am I going to get up in arms about the All-Star game when I don't care? But the young people, they like it. Adam Silver wasn't happy because Adam Silver's an old curmudgeon like me. I'm trying hard to be the shepherd. I'm trying hard to be the shepherd. You better know what movie that's from. Trying real hard, Ringo, to be the shepherd. Uh, So I don't care about that. Here's something I do care about. The Cleveland Guardians, there's there's two comments from Major League Baseball this week um, that did kind of tick me off. And I don't think this is being curmudgeonly. I think this is being, I think everybody's with me, young and old. I don't don't think anybody's going to disagree that these comments. Let me start with the Guardians specifically. So earlier this week, uh, according to Cleveland.com, I think this was from Mahoinze, Here's the headline. Guardians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, said the team's 2024 TV deal, which sucks and screws fans that want to just stream. You have to have to watch the Guardians. You have to either have cable or direct TV or Fubo. And so I had YouTube TV for the Sunday ticket, which is, you know, reasonably priced compared to most, but they don't have Bally's. So. I was hoping with the whole thing with the bankruptcy, it would lead to being able to stream the games and I could just pay for the baseball package, whatever it is, the streaming service. But even if I get MLB extra innings, which cost an arm and a leg, that's good for me to be able to watch Cubs games and other games, but I can't watch the Guardians because I live in Cleveland. They're blacked out, which is ridiculous. So I now got to get either Fubo TV, because I'm not getting cable, or DirecTV Stream. They charge you extra and I got to pay like a hundred bucks a month when the only thing I want is the is the is the networks, you know, for for games that are on network TV, NBA playoffs, or whatever, and uh, and Bally's. That's it. It sucks. But anyway, he said uh, the team's twenty twenty four TV deal will have no effect on the team's payroll because they have to find out who among their young players could succeed in the big leagues. So, in other words, the whole season is spring training. That's what he's telling you. They have they've spent virtually no money this offseason. Nothing. Um, they they picked up Ramon Laureano. They they kept him. Uh, so that, you know they, who they had last year. The only addition, Scott Barlow, um, 
who's making about six million. They brought in Austin Hedges back for four million. He does very little to help the team. They and they um what's his name? Uh oh my god. Um I just gotta look it up now real quick. They claim the guy. I I, I am intrigued a little. This guy they claim from the Yankees, who's been a great minor league player. I can't remember who it is. I'm gonna have to bring it up, but um they uh they they claimed him from the Yankees and he could why is the name escaping me? Guardians claim off Yankees. Esteban Florial, who is expected to be in the mix and might start against righties in the outfield. Now, Florial has nothing to prove in the minors. He's had great numbers in the minors. He's been up and down with the Yankees. He probably has like 150, 200 major league at-bats, and he's been bad, but he's put up big numbers in the minors, including big power. So it's, he's only 26. It's worth it for the Guardians to give him some at-bats. But uh, the lineup stinks. They spent no money on it. They could use, um, you know, the projected lineup still has Miles Straw in there. He's the worst hitter in baseball. Well, he and Austin Hedges, their backup catcher, are the two worst hitters in baseball. Uh, Miles Straw has the worst OPS in baseball, and they owe him guaranteed money for this year, next year, and the year after. So they're wasting money on him, and they have spent less than $10 million or about $10 million in bringing in new players, uh, maybe $11 million between uh, Florial and Barlow, Ben Lively, who they got probably in the back end of the bullpen, and Austin Hedges and Florial, who they claimed off waivers, and De Los Santos, who they got in the Rule 5 draft if he makes the team, probably about $11, 12000000 million between all those guys. Um, which is just pathetic. And so, but they're not going to do anything else. They're, even a guy like Randall Gritchick, who signed with the, who did he sign with? I don't remember. He signed with somebody. Like, that guy could hit you 25 home runs, and he only got paid like two, $3 million. I'd way rather have him play left field and Stephen Kwan at center, and that would have cost you nothing, or, you know, relatively nothing. But they're not interested in that. Speaking of patheticness, how about so we already knew that Anthony Rendon, what a waste. Like the Angels, everything they do is stupid. Pretty much. They signed all these guys to big contracts. They lost Otani. Um, Anthony Rendon, you may remember, talked about how he doesn't love baseball, which listen, I mean, not every not everybody loves their job okay, but you'd think getting to play baseball for a living, you'd at least like it. And he was he, last year, he said he considered retiring. He was asked what his mindset is. He said, my enthusiasm has been the same since I got drafted, to be honest with you. I'm actually deleting old emails because of my storage, blah, 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 blah. I'm going back. I emailed my pros and cons of wanted, why I wanted to stay in the game. That was 10 years ago. The Angels were so stupid to pay this guy. He doesn't care. He doesn't work hard. He's missed tons of time. He hasn't been a good player in four years. He's getting paid an absurd amount of money. He has no incentive. Because, like, is baseball a top priority for you? It's never been a top priority for me. No? Uh, did he tell people that he, he said he's being honest? Was he honest when the Angels offered him that contract? He doesn't really care about baseball? Uh, is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure because it's my job. I'm here, aren't I? Do you want to be here? I don't want to talk to you guys at 7 in the morning or whatever time it is. Do you want to be here playing for the Angels? I have answered your question, so what do we keep picking at? You're a loser. 
Guy got paid boatloads of money. It was a stupid deal at the time. It's been a total, everything the Angels have done. They signed him, total waste of money. They signed Justin Upton, remember a few years back, terrible. Albert Pujols, terrible. Even the Trout extension is not looking great. I mean, I understand why they paid him. Makes sense. But he's been injury prone the last few years. He's just getting older. Anthony Rendon's a loser. Speaking of losers, so is Rick Pitino. I know most of my audience doesn't care, but I, I want to scream about this for a second. Rick Pitino has always been a bad guy. Let's face it. Um, he's been a shady, you know what. And But he's always been a great basketball coach. I was a huge St. John's basketball fan, as some of you know, when I was a kid. Huge. Chris Mullen, Malik Seeley, Shelton Jones, Bill Wennington, Mark Jackson. I could go on and on. St. John's in the 80s was great basketball. They were my favorite basketball team. Not the Knicks, not anybody else in New York. St. John's was my favorite basketball team, period, when I was a kid. And then as the years went by and the conferences got all screwed up and St. John's has been bad for so long, and, you know, I lost interest a lot in college basketball. And in living out of the New York area, I just really didn't watch St. John's much. But for the first time in a long time, I was excited about this team because I thought, all right, Rick Pitino's a scumbag, but at least he's a good coach. Well, they got off to a pretty good start, and they've been terrible. They've lost eight of the last ten. And yesterday, Rick Pitino goes off on the players. Dude, these guys are 19, 20 years, 21 years old. You're a 70-year-old guy. You're ripping the players and talking about how bad they suck. He It's the most miserable time he's had coaching basketball. Go F yourself, Rick Pitino. Don't blame the players. I mean, the player, I, I, are you kidding me? I mean, they get some of the blame, sure. But to just throw the whole team under the bus, you put the team together, you bum. Now, St. John's waited too long. He's, he's, he's an old curmudgeon, speaking of which. Rick Pitino's a lowlife. And to throw the whole team under the bus, they don't work hard. They don't do this. I hate this team. I hate you, Rick Pitino. And shame on all the New York people that were overhyping St. John's. They suck. And he sucks. See if it works out in the future. I don't know. I have no, no hope for St. John's basketball at all. Ohio State on the mean uh, mean hand, on the other hand, <laughs> mean hand. Uh, they fire their coach, and then they go beat Purdue, the number two team in the country. The Buckeyes basketball is usually off the radar, unlike the football team. But um, nice job by the Buckeyes getting that win. And congratulations to Caitlin Clark, who became the all-time leading scorer in women's basketball. By the way, speaking of women's basketball, that that three-point contest between Steph Curry and uh, Sabrina Ionescu, I think is how you say her last name. I should know that. Uh, was pretty cool. And Kenny Smith, you're a dope for saying she should shoot from the women's line. I love that she shot from the men's line. That's what she should have done. If you're going to have a competition, man versus woman, then the woman's got to do the same thing as the man. That was the point. She wanted to show that she was a better shooter than him. You can't do it from the women's line. I love that she did it from the men's line, and she did a great job. She lost, but she was, it wasn't like a, it wasn't one-sided. I mean, this thing was close. He beat her by one shot. So good for her. Let's have the rematch next year. Get Caitlin Clark in there, and I don't know, bring Larry Bird back. He was honored this weekend. Good to see him. That's it for today's podcast. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. Please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button. Hit the bell. You'll get alerts every time we do a podcast. 
Uh, this Thursday, we'll have the live podcast at 6, and I'm taking a week off from vacation. And then in March, we'll be moving the, pod, the live Thursday podcast at 2 p.m. Thanks, as always, for joining me. Thanks to Monzo for producing. We'll talk to you next time. Where else but right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. 